Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that this is the day that you have made, Father, and we're here to gladly rejoice in it. Father, I thank you for the group of people that is in this room. Father, I do not take it lightly. I do. I know it's a privilege, Father, to stand here and proclaim your great word, Father. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would open our ears. Father, you would impart courage. You would impart hope, God. You would just, ch- our lives would be changed from being in your presence, Father. I, I thank you for the goodness of God that's in this house. And we just thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in this city. All that you're doing in this community. In the mighty name of Jesus. We're expecting great things, God. We're believing big because you're big. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Amen. If you ever see some clips, A.A. Allen used to clap his hand and say, we believe in big because he's big, right? You believe in big? All right, let's get in here. I've been preaching uh, for really the last last several times that we met, been talking about leadership, just been talking about uh, developing what God has in us. How many believes that God has invested a lot into us, right? And we read, uh, I think it was last Sunday, we, we covered a lot of ground going over uh, the, the parable of the talents where some's given five, some's given two, some's given one. You remember the one that got five, he went and doubled what he had and got ten, right? Remember the one that got uh, uh uh, two uh, went and doubled what he had and then the one that had had only one talent went and buried his talent hid it into the ground and when the and when he, and when his lord returned that the one that had five doubled and brought it unto him and then the one that had two but the one that had did only receive one he said lord i knew that you was a hard man looking looking to get return on yours so i was afraid i was going to lose what you gave me went and buried it into the sea uh, went and buried it into the ground and he said you at least should have put my money in the bank where i could have drawn a little bit of interest come on so how many knows that God when he puts something in our lives he expects increase to come from the investment he made in us right and we said this that Jesus did not save us so that we could go to church there's a whole lot more to the life in the kingdom than going to church. Thank God we get to go to church. I'm for going to church. so don't take where I'm not going. But, uh, but God, uh, Jesus died for us, not just to save us, but to get the Holy Spirit back into our lives and that we would bring advancement to God's kingdom, right? All right. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. Who's the kings? He's King of us. All right, so this morning I want to talk about, uh, this has just really been on my heart, and I want to show you a clip at the end, and I'm telling you this clip going to make us head bust something before we leave. It's that good. I've watched it probably 20 times. It's just good, and it's going to really drive the point home uh, even more. So um, let me just set this up. In, in, in 1 Samuel 16 is where we find that where Samuel the prophet, uh, God tells him that he's stripping the kingdom from Saul. And that, God, and that he's going to find him a man. God's going to anoint him a man as king. And he says, I want you to go to Jesse's house. And you're going to find one of his sons there. And, and I'm going to anoint one of his sons to be king. And so uh, Samuel goes up to Jesse's house. And he's got the ram's horn full of oil. And he has Jesse to bring all of his sons out. And as, as he brings them out, the first one comes out as Eli. And the Bible says that he was tall. He was handsome. He was a good looking. I mean, just had a, he, he would just build up he just a, a man's man and Samuel looked and said for surely this is the Lord's anointed and God speaks to Samuel and says hey don't jump to it for, for man looks at the outside but God looks on the inside of a man come on somebody how many knows God don't care if you got on Versace or Wrangler come on it's what's in the heart that he's after 
Y'all going to help me this morning? All right. And so he, he, he goes through the line and none of, uh, the, the oil won't flow on none of Jesse's sons. So finally he said, there's got to be one more. And he says, I got one more, but he's on the back side of the, he's on the back side of the desert with just a few sheep watching them. He said, bring him in. So as David stood before, uh, Samuel, you got to think that he's standing in front of all of his brothers. Always remember this. God will promote us right in front of our own brothers and our own sisters to challenge us in family. I'm not just talking about blood. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about in the church to challenge us to see what's in our heart. Come on now. To see if we can rejoice when one gets a promotion. So he brings him out, and you got all this envy and jealousy that goes on. How many knows that that's an issue of brother and sister? It's not an issue of mother and father. You never hear a father say, I can't believe you just shattered my record. If you had so many rushing yards when you graduated high school and your son shatters your record, you're not going down there to the school trying to get his name removed. You're like, whose kid is that? And so, so David stands there and, and Jesse anoints him. And think about this. He's anointed to be king. Can you imagine this is, as, he, as he's anointed to be king, he's hearing the prophecy come over his life. The destiny that God has, has for him. I want to say this this morning. How many knows that God has more for us than what we can even envision for our own self? The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, for God says, I'll do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask. That's on your best prayer day when you spent all day in prayer. God says, I'll go beyond that. And the, 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 to your ability, the, all that we can ask, think or imagine that means on the best that I can dream it up God's got so much more for me and so David is coming from the back side of the desert he's anointed king and the scripture says he returns back to watching the few sheep he was in, in, in taking care of now we get over into 1 Samuel 17 <clears throat> at the closing of the 16th chapter the Bible says that there was an evil spirit upon Saul Stay with me. I'm just trying to, i got to lay the groundwork, okay? Because sometimes, as preachers, sometimes we assume everybody knows the Bible. How many know everybody don't know the Bible? And so, Saul has an evil spirit. And so, not only could David watch, what, not only was he a good shepherd's boy, he was also a good musician. And he learned how to play a harp, and he was anointed. And so, they brought David into the palace. Because when the evil spirit would come on Saul, David would begin to play unto the Lord. And as he would begin to play and minister unto the Lord, the Bible says that that evil spirit departed from Saul. Now you got to think, as you're brought in, you, you, you know that you're anointed to be king, and now you're in the king's palace. And you got to think, David being a young shepherd boy, as he's playing his harp, he's looking around that room. And vision is just... Oh my God, just piercing his heart. Just dreams is just coming into his heart. Saying, oh my God, God spoke this over my life. That I, I mean, I, I mean, this, is, this, this, could, this could be me. See, you can never be what you're called to be unless you can see it. you got to see it. You remember on, on Polar Express, believing is not seeing. I mean, uh, seeing is not believing. But believing is seeing Somebody had to see it. God saw you before you ever showed up on the earth. Come on, somebody. He told Jeremiah before you was, I knew you. I saw you. You were in my mind. Come on, somebody. 
And so we, we, we have to see it. So his mind, everything in his life, he's getting vision. God's got greater for me, man. There's something about, there's something different. God's got more for me than just to be able to tend 10 acres back here and watch a few sheep. Come on, somebody. He knew his heritage. His heritage was Boaz. Come on now. There was money in his line. There was influence in his family heritage. But some kind, when it got to Jesse, they didn't have as much as what Boaz had. And, they, and listen, here's the deal. We can we can say for the status quo or we could press into God and say God there's got to be more than where we're at there's got to be more in the church than where we're at there's got to be more in my community than where we're at come on now y'all help me and so David is, is this vision's rolling over into his in, in his heart and so his dad calls him in from the back side of the desert and he says hey I need you to go see how the wars how, how, how are your brothers three of his brothers were down at the battle with Saul and I need you to go check on them and see how they're faring in the war see, see what's going on and so he loaded David with bread and with grain and with cheeses and he said go take this down to your brothers and he goes down to his brothers to check on them and there's for 40 days they have been held up in the valley of Elor for 40 days, Goliath would come out and taunt them and push them back. Fear would, would push them back. How many knows the Bible says to stir up the gift of God? You know, what the, you know the reason why Paul told Timothy to stir up the gift of God? The answer is found in 2 Timothy 1. It said, for God has not given you the spirit of fear. What he was saying, Timothy, don't allow fear to dampen the gift that God has in you. All of us have fears, but if all of us are going to do something for God, we got to be able to stare that fear down in the, in the eyes and say, listen, for greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Now let's look right here in 1 Samuel 17, 25. We can finally read the Bible to make this illegal service right here. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and will give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Let's look at it again. So he comes down. He's talking to Eli and his brothers. And he brings the cheese and he brings the bread. And for 40 days they're held up. And then all of a sudden, David stands there and he hears, listen, whoever can find the courage in this group right here to defeat this, this giant that's got us held up, not only am I going to make him a rich man, I'm going to give him my daughter. Come on now. I'm going to give him a house. And I'm going to exempt him from paying taxes. That's if just the last one enough to make me want to jump up and shout. <laughs> Hello. Huh? David, the man with vision, the man with the call, and the man with the purpose, says, now what did they just say? What, 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 did I hear the man right? And the scripture says they come over to him and told him, says it is it, it is it is just as you say it for surely if whoever kills this man is going to be filthy rich they're going to get the king's daughter they're going to get a house at the king's place come on somebody and they're not going to have to pay taxes what is goliath goliath is anything somebody says cannot change not listen it, your goliath your goliath we all got goliaths in our life come on somebody your Goliath is whatever somebody said cannot be changed. 
Listen, I don't know how many times I heard this. Well, you know, brother, we tried with the ministerial lights. We've tried to get unity in our communities. It just won't never work. Well, somebody, if we'll keep pressing for unity in the communities, come on, somebody, we can get it. It can happen. The Bible says how blessed it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. There I will command the blessing, Psalms 133. Just because one person couldn't make it work don't mean somebody else can't make it work. Come on now. Listen, whatever the Goliath is, it is something that says could never be done. Now, at the end of the 1800s, there was two brothers. Junior going to know where, he going to know where I'm at because I told you where I was at Wednesday night. I told you some books to get in. But they're two brothers. One of them gets sick. His name's Orville. He gets sick and he's in the bed and he's bedridden. He can't go nowhere. So his older brother Wilbur's sitting there talking to him. And he he he's and, and, and Wilbur has got a dream. Wilbur has got a dream that he believes that mankind is not limited to the ground, that mankind could actually get up in the air and fly. It goes on a, a few years, and Wilbur writes a letter to the Smithsonian Institute and says, Give us any book that you've got about 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 flight about about flight and and so he got a book and in this book there was a man that wrote a statement and this is what he said in that book he said I got the author, but I'm just going to preach it out of my heart, okay? If you want the author's name, I'll give it to you. In the book, he says that it was basically a cry for repentance over the unbelief that man could not be in the air. And so what Wilbur said, he said, the first thing we got to do is we got to repent of unbelief that it cannot happen. Listen to this, listen to this. Bill Johnson makes this statement, it's good. But the Holy Spirit is imprisoned in unbelieving believers. You go to the hospital to pray, but you don't believe nothing's gonna happen. Come on, somebody. When the Word of God says the prayer of faith in James 5, 14 shall heal the sick. Am I quoting the Bible in this house? Come on now. So unbelief, unbelief is the ultimate sin. So he said, first of all, if we ever going to get a plane in the ground, up uh, off the ground, we've got to repent of unbelief that it can actually can happen. So these two men, how many knows that the first time that they built an airplane, it didn't get in the sky? They failed multiple times. The Bible says the righteous man may fall, what, seven times, but he gets up again. What do we do with failure? Come on, somebody. Do you know that, listen, a lot of times that what we take as failure just paves the way for others to break through. Somebody's got to be willing to get up and start somewhere. Listen, you can run a 5K. I, that may sound foreign to me. Somebody said, well, John, you can run a marathon. Listen, I believe I can run a marathon. You know what it takes? It takes getting off the couch. You might have to walk the first mile, but eventually you can run a mile. Come on, somebody. And you keep doing a little more every day, every day, till eventually you can run a 5K, a 10K, a 15K, or a 25K. That's the devil trying to tell you you can't do something. All right. So finally, I got the actual date because I don't want to be. On December the 17th, 1903, Wilbur and Orville Wright defied gravity for 12 seconds. 
12 seconds. 12 seconds, they defied gravity and was in the air for 12 seconds. Now, because two men repented of unbelief, Stanton boarded a plane and Gavin boarded a plane in Manchester, England and will be back here in Adel this evening. Come on, somebody. Because two men repented. Boy, I feel the Lord just come on me right then. Because two men repented of unbelief. What could happen in this city if we actually believe that God could do something outside the walls of the church? Come on, somebody. Listen, let me tell you something. We're not in a move of God if it don't translate outside the walls of this church. Any gospel that does not work in the marketplace is no gospel at all. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I say come on, somebody, because I'm trying to get somebody to come on. Repent of the unbelief. David was willing to risk it all for an opportunity to, to an opportunity to be who God called him to be. We will never get there by playing it safe, trying to hold on to the pew, waiting on the heavenly helicopter called the rapture of the church. Now let's look at verse 31. Verse 31. Now when, the, now when the words which David spoke was heard, they reported them to Saul. And he, sent, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are youth. And he is a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went and after it, and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like, <coughs> be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Now here's the deal. I was listening to this round table, and I, 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 I may have shared this with you, and I was listening to this round table of different leaders, and one of those leaders was T.D. Jakes. And T.D. Jakes was talking about this, and he said that his son asked him, he said, when, when he said, you, 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 you're, you sit at the table with leaders all the time. Dad, you have influence. When am I going to be respected? When, when will I be respected, and when will I have a place at the table? Come on, don't you want a place at the table? Everybody does, right? And this is what T.D. said. He said, when you can go kill something, when you kill something, and you come back with the blood on your britches, when you, when you go kill something and you come back with blood on your britches and blood on the side of your face, then you can come sit at the table. Everybody wants to change the world, but nobody wants to do what it takes to change the world. Before you change the world, you got to change you, friend. Come on, somebody. Through your relationship with the gospel. I'm not talking about no works mentality, but I'm talking about getting a place with God and allow the Holy Spirit to be used in your life. You gotta go kill something. In other words, what he was saying, go tackle something bigger than you. 
The scripture says it like this. How can we lead at the house of God when we can't lead at our own house? It starts by dad getting in his place. Come on, somebody. Taking authority over his finances. Taking authority over his house. Teaching and training his children. If we can't train our children, how can we train the household of God and the household of faith? shoving right here this morning. I'm just shoving. I feel like Tennessee and y'all Georgia. Oh, come on. Praise God. I got a buddy of mine. He's Assembly of God pastor. He's a big Tennessee fan. I texted him. I, I just said, man, I'm praying for you today to overcome such loss. Man, the Georgia folk, though, I mean, we do one. You know what I'm saying? The Falcons, look how they, look the Braves. They get us all way up here and they let us down. I'm telling you, Georgia sports people are people of perseverance and great faith. We've been let down. Seen the thing, remember when I-85 collapsed in Atlanta, they said two epic collapses in Atlanta in one year. The Falcons in I-85. You got to kill something. But let me tell you this, when you kill something, what happens is, is you build your history book with God. Everybody in this room has got to have a history book with God. And listen, you got to have it from the little things to the big things. When God provided the rent, when you didn't think he was going to make the rent, come on somebody, and he broke through, you tack that down in your history book. So when David went to, when he went to, when what he was saying to Saul is, listen, I done tackled something before in my life. I ain't like these men down here that's afraid to get out the tomb. I done got something bigger than me. When the lion came in to get a lamb, I grabbed him by the mane and I stared him down in the eyes and I said, listen here, you ain't going to tackle one of my sheep. Come on, this is what he's saying. I done seen God do something. Listen, you don't come a day late, the dollar short to tell me God don't heal, that God don't deliver, that God don't feel. I've seen it, friend, with my own eyes. It's my testimony. Come on now. Listen, the only reason why people can persuade you because you got knowledge. You don't have no impartation nor experience. But when you experience what you say you know, then no one can steal that from you. Gosh, that's good preaching. Hold on, hold on. Bring it down just a little bit right here for me. I want you to stay right here with me. Just hold on. What he's saying is I got a history book. I've done seen God do the impossible. If God can take out a lion and if God can take out a bear, for surely God can do the same thing for this Philistine. This is what he's saying. Now listen, I thought about my history book, my own history book with God. I stood in this church in March of, uh, at the end of March of 2006, I was a whole lot younger then. I'm 38 today, so back it up, wherever how old we was. I was 25, 25 years old. And so we were standing here. I had a meeting that night. I knew I was going at 25 to plant my first church. How many knows when you plant a church on your first Sunday, you're going to have your family, you're going to have your friends? You're going to have somebody there. But let me tell you this, by week three, week four, family and friends is done went back to their church. Not only that, you gotta have money, you gotta have, you got to, you got to have money, you got to have, you got to go get a building, you got to have somewhere to plant the church. We didn't have nothing. Am I telling the people the story right here? We didn't have nothing. I didn't have, I didn't have nothing. And I told Catherine this, I said, I said, I said, how are we gonna plant a church? This is on this is on Saturday night, laying in the laying in laying in the cabin off of Valdale Road. 
And I said, uh, I said we, we, got, we don't got nothing. And I said, let me say this. I said that I told her this uh, that because I seen two men to have the baton in their hand. How many knows that we're not the first one running with the vision? Listen, and I can tell you this. What's the vision in your life? You're not the first one to run with it. It's probably been passed. It was probably put in you a couple generations before that. Somebody you ain't never met, they was praying that in the earth and it showed up in your heritage. Come on. Come on. This is the same where Paul told Tim. Paul told Timothy, what was in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, I see it now in your life and it's strong enough I can identify it. It's a, it's a faith that we can touch today. Listen, there's dreams that is implanted by Father God until you get in the right environment. You never even know they're there. But when you get in that environment, that anointing begins to stir up what's been laid down for generations. People that didn't walk in it, but now God's telling you to walk in it. Maybe your great, great granddaddy wanted to own a business but was never had the faith to step out now God will do the same thing in you and nudge you out in faith and you'll be the one to walk in it my God that's good preaching somebody said man that fat joker up there is hollering spirit of dusty roads come on Lord got a history book we stood right here told Catherine that night I said I done seen one man fall seen another man get afraid not to step out on it the other man was he he had the faith to step out on it he ran and ran strong and God did mighty things and then he then he uh, he collapsed with the wand okay and so I said I see it's going to take years this will take years to build how many first of all know this unless God build the house the labor is labor in vain so he just lets us be steward. You know what I'm saying? We got here that morning. Didn't have, didn't, I didn't have no money to go get a building. I got a vision. Listen, if you got a dream and a vision, that's all you got to have. God will do the rest. You just got to, you just got to, all you got to do is obey the word. Right? You can't, you just got to step out on the boat. You ain't got to understand how you're going to stand on the water. You just got to get out of the boat. And then you got religious people said, well, you know, there was only one walked on water. I beg to differ. There was two walked on water in Scripture. Come on, somebody. Jesus and Peter. We got here in 2000, 2006. They're about to take up the offering just like we did. <clears throat> and a man come from, that, from this side of the room, come up here, and back then in 2006, I'm pretty sure that everybody was in three-piece suits. Remember those days? Praise God. Had the vest, I mean the whole nine yards. Gator skin shoes, I mean the whole nine yards. So this man was in blue jeans and a shirt. And he come up and I remember him saying that, he said, Pastor Dale, he said, God said we cannot send that man out of the house by just praying for him. We got to put seed in his hand to go plant the church. You remember that? And so they did. They took up an offering. And listen, what I told we didn't have no money. Listen, within just a few minutes, God answered that. Give us over $4,000 that morning to go plant a church. 
Then notice the other two things I told her. I said, we gonna I said, I said, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm just ain't gonna lie to you. I'm afraid of falling. I done seen two fall with it. And I said, it'll take years. By that time the prophetic word come over our lives, you shall not fail, for there's a track been laid before you. All I got to do is stay on the track. Come on, somebody. And then God provided everything we need. So we went back to that city. We was going to my hometown, back to that city to plant a church. We had this one building we were looking at, but it was all brick. There was no windows. And I told I told him, I said, we can't plant a church here. We're going to look like Jehovah Witness. Ain't nobody coming through the door. They can't even see outside. Y'all right? So anyhow, we pulled down the street, and it was, at, it was at 507 South Dixon Street, and the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, that's the building you're to go in. I didn't, I didn't realize it until I got the building, but the building was built in the 1980s to be a Sears building. And I was praying one day, and God said, what building have I brought you to? I said, Lord, I'm standing at 507 South Dixon Street. He asked me again, what building am I, are you in? Listen, when God asks you a question, he's not looking for the answer. He's getting you to see the answer. I said, Lord, this is the Sears building. He said, that's right, I brought you here to see. So this building that God told us to go to, well, at this time it was a it was a it had it had, the business had the owner of the business fell dead two weeks before Christmas with a heart attack. His wife had possession of the building, and it was a computer care place. The building had went just in a period of time, just vacant or whatever building was not in that great of shape on the inside but I got $4,000 okay what I did was took the $4,000 I took the tithe off the $4,000 sewed that right back into this church and then so we had we had $3,600 so I got to get a building you got to get power turned on you got to do what you can with it okay I didn't have nothing. We ain't got a chair or nothing. You with me now? Got a vision don't got a chair don't got nothing ain't got no piano don't have a microphone don't have nothing well, during this time I'm looking for, for a building, we had a, we, there was a church in Guyton, Georgia, called me and said, listen, I feel like I'm supposed to give you 150 padded church chairs. Only church I ever seen started, we had to start out in steel fold-outs. And the people sitting in the steel fold-outs and you preach an hour like I do, people get tired of that. Come on, somebody. And they start showing up about once every two weeks. Bringing boat cushions in and pillows. But we got 150 chairs. He said, not only that, he said, I got a Kurzweil electric piano. I got a plexiglass pulpit that I'm supposed to give you and a microphone. God starts providing. Come on. I'm, I'm still talking about the same thing. Listen, when God's telling you to step on, out on faith, if you got a history book, you can look back and say, hey, you remember in 2006 when God said go to Alma, Georgia and launch that church and you didn't have no money and he gave you four grand and he gave you a building and he gave you 150 chairs? Hey, you can step out the next time and if God did it in 2006, he'll do it in 2017, he'll do it in 2027 and 2030. Listen to this, true story. True story. I told a person about a building, they said, she don't give you that building. She just lost her husband. She don't give you the building. Well, first of all, I wasn't looking forward to giving me nothing. I just want to chase a rabbit right here. Preacher always looking for something for free. Come on, I'm going to quit with that though. Okay, you just help the church out. 
Listen, God's not broke. He don't need a help. Come on. I'm not talking about not being frugal and doing stupid stuff either. That's the reason why nobody don't want to come do nothing for the church because church try to beat them out of it. I'm going to make you cut that bill down now. No, I'll play. <laughs> I'll cut up. Huh? But this is the truth. Come on now. Listen, we, don't, we, we can't be out here in the community trying to sell chicken dinners, potluck dinners, and everything else trying to rape the community. We're here to be a blessing to the community. Come on, somebody. We're givers, lenders, and not bars. Hello. All right. Quit with all that. Get off the rabbits. I got to stick. Look at your neighbor and say, come on, pray for him where he can finish. So, I go see her. This time, I'm working a job. Still work one today. There ain't no such thing as part-time ministry. Y'all full-time. I'm full-time in the ministry and so are you. If you part-time, I want you to give your life to Jesus Christ this morning where you can get full-time. All right? We're not part-timers. We're full-timers. We all call to the, to the ministry of reconciliation. 1 Corinthians 15, if I believe it's somewhere in there, okay? It's in the New Testament. So I go to her house. It's lunchtime. I'm on my lunch break. Pull up there in my company truck. Open the door. Get out. It's about 12.05. That's how long it took me to drive out to her house. Knock on the door. Door eases open. I'm, when I'm telling you a frail woman, Captain, am I telling people a lie? Anytime, jump up and say he's lying. Um, 90 pounds at best with a, with a, with a, in a, she was in a house coat at 12.05. Opened the door, cracked it open. I said, I don't know if you remember me, and I called her by name. Her name was Marilyn. I said, I don't know if you remember me, Miss Marilyn. And she said, yeah. She said, I remember you. She said, you're John the Preacher. And when she said, John the preacher, the power of God knocked her down right there standing in the doorway. I'm told knocked her down. I'm not, I said knocked her down. If you'd have been on the road right there, you'd have probably shot me and thought I was in there robbing the woman at gunpoint. I'm just telling you, if you look at it from the, the Spirit of God knocked her down when she, she was crying. She was crying. She was weeping. The power of God all on her. And then uh, I, stu- I, I, I stood up on the threshold and I said, I said, that's right, I am John the preacher. And I said, God said I was coming to this city and I was to plant a church. God said I was to go to your building and you to give me that building to plant a church in it or whatever. She crying and weeping, I mean, prayed in tongues for about 20 minutes and we, I, whatever, got up. Got up or whatever. She said, I'll let you know by the end of the week. She called me by the end of the week, says you can have the building, told me to rent how much it was. There it is. So I go down there to the building. I get in the building and I realize that, man, this, I mean, I'm thankful for what God provides for me, but man, this really needs some help. Man, the Silatex was sagging down. I mean, it just really needs some help. And so I knew this, that the flooring was so bad. I said, I'm going to take my money. I'm going to put kills on the Silatex, whatever I got to do to clear it up, but I'm going to put, I'm going to put flooring in here. This is, you know what I'm saying? And so anyhow, I did this and uh, whatever. And then my uncle come by and he looked at the building and he knew that I was planting a church. He said, he said, man, he said, we can't plant a church with a ceiling like this. My uncle's contract. He said, he said, we got to change the ceiling now. And you know, how many knows this? I'm just being honest. Where I was at in 2006, I was looking at what I had in my pocket. Listen, that's the number one mistake. We don't look at what we got in our pocket. We look to his resources. I believe the Bible says that in Philippians 4.19 that God shall supply all our needs. 
Come on now. Y'all help me right here finish this out. All our needs according to what's in your checkbook. No. It says according to his riches and glory. According to him, he's going to do the provision. See so how we put brand new ceiling in there, whatever. And, and, and then I was, I was out working. Worked for the phone company and I was working in this pedestal. And, uh, and I remember I was sitting down there, telephone pads, watching the beside the road. And I'm working in this pedestal and a man comes by, a businessman comes by. And when he comes by, he stopped and rolled the window down. The Spirit of the Lord said, you tell him your vision. And I told him, I said, God said, I'm coming to this city to plant a church. It's going to be open in May. We coming to hold up hell with a water pistol, cast devils out, heal the sick, raise the dead in this city. I mean, I'm just telling him everything we're going to do in that city. He said, my God. He said, what do you need? I said, the place needs carpeting. He said, I'll tell you what, you get the man around there to carpet it. I'll pay for the carpet from the front, from the back of the stage, all the way to the road if that's what you need. That's what he said. Catherine, am I telling them a story? We got time to put the Silatex in there. My uncle called me and he said, listen. He said, that'll be my first tithe, the Silatex in the ceiling. And God provided everything we need. When we opened that church on May the 6th of 2006, I had brand new carpet. There was all instruments in that church, all microphones in that church, a pulpit and a house full. And we preached the gospel over in that city for seven and a half years. Listen, this is what Gable was saying. Hey, the same God that did that will do this today. Maybe you don't have a story like that. Maybe you have a story of a child that had a fever that you got up in the midnight hour and you laid hands on them and see God break the fever. If you've seen that, you've got a testimony to know this. Any other type of sickness, get on that child. You've got a power and authority to break it. Come on, somebody. Lord. All right. We finished get close to the airport, okay? Don't put your seatbelt on quite yet, though. Might have to run. Look at right here at verse 38. Verse 38. We're getting close though. So Saul clothed David with his armor. Put a bronze helmet on his head. Clothed him with a coat. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk. For he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these. For I've not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in a shepherd's bag and a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Listen, what works for me may not work for you. You got to walk in your own. I got three boys, and they're awesome. But they can't ride my coattail but so long. They got to get their own armor and get out there and find out what works. Come on now. Listen, Junior can take you and put you in his truck and take you and show you how he does sales and show you how he does it, show you how to ride it. But you got to get out the seat and go do it. You got to take what works. And what works for him may, may, may not work in your lane. You got to use what you got. Now, let me just break it down like this. Whatever you got is all you need to make it. Did you hear what I said? When God put you in the earth, He didn't leave you down here as an orphan. And He didn't leave you with no gifts and no tools. He put something in your tool pouch. 
you've got to discover what it is. I can't discover it for you. Mine's a microphone. Mine was, mine was locating fiber optic cable and working on fiber optic cable and grounding it. Leaning over that fiber, planting into somebody's life. Whatever your tool is, you got to discover your tool and craft it. And listen, your tool may look a whole lot different than mine. Come on, somebody. What God's gifted you with may look a whole lot different than mine. And listen, here's what we got to tear down. Because you don't have a microphone don't mean you're not a preacher. Your business is your church. If you're a nurse, you walk in the hallways, that's your sanctuary. Come on, somebody. If you're a school teacher, that's your classroom, that's your church, and your desk is your pulpit. If If you're a mechanic, under the hood of the car is your pulpit. Come on. If you're a decorator, when you decorate, decorate to the glory of God and God will get the glory and lives will be changed. But you got to do what you do and what you do is all you need to do to work what God's given you. Saul said, listen, if you don't take Goliath out, let me put this, this is what you got to do. Now let me say this too. What took Goliath out for him probably won't take Goliath out in my generation. Let me tell you about the power of discovery. Hold up right here. How many knows this? This is a true statement I'm going to say. Since God finished creation, when he created man and he rested, there has been nothing else created on the face of the earth. Y'all look at me. Well, he, he didn't have no iPhone. The iPhone was invented. It wasn't created. When God said it's done, it was done and it was finished and he rested. Everything was created. What the inventions that you have is man had the vision to invent. My God, I'm trying to help us here. The power of discovery when you discover what God has placed on inside of you. You just got to discover it. And let me give you a clue here. When you get in the anointing and the presence of God, whatever's inside of you starts bumping. You remember when Elizabeth, she was toting John, she was five and a half months pregnant with John. He ain't moved or nothing. Come on, somebody. But when Elizabeth, when Mary had the encounter with Gabriel, she ran to Elizabeth's house and said, let me tell you this. Let me tell you what the angel Gabriel said to me. And the scripture says when she got in that realm of presence, come on now, it says that the baby leaped with on the inside of her. When the anointing shows up, singers want to sing. Musicians want to play. Preachers want to preach. Painters want to paint. Dancers want to dance. Come on, somebody. Build want to build the same anointing that allows me to preach is what allows you to work on a car to paint a house come on to play an instrument nothing's 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 been created what happened is vision and discovery happened to create and to invent something what was already here Oh, that's good, man. All right. I can hand Dusty my microphone. Dusty, wave your hands. Wave them like you don't just don't care. No, I'm playing. Listen. <laughs> Let the people see you. No, I'm playing. <laughs> if I hand him my microphone 
and say, go preach a revival, I probably just put him out of his element. What I did was I walked up to him and I tried to put my armor on him and say, go be successful. Gosh, I'm, 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 I see, I got the clock back there. Look at 11.43. You're going to be at the buffet at 12.05. That's if you speed a little bit, okay? What we do in church is we try to clone everybody like me. So therefore, we think we ain't, we, that's why people get saved, well, want to do something for God, but well, we got to get in the ministry. Why don't you just go be the salesman? You're in the ministry. Why don't you just go play ball? How many believe the NFL needs some, needs some voices on the field? How many believe baseball needs some voices on the field? How many believe NASCAR needs some voices? Come on. How many believe colleges need some voices right now? Huh? Just go do what you do. But now here's the thing. You take me and I get my microphone and go run revival. We all having fun. Now here's the next thing. Dusty goes tells me in the morning, I need you to go see four people and I need you to close the deal by five o'clock. That's not my personality. That, that's, not, that's not my suit. But the same anointing that is allowing this to go forth this morning is the same anointing when he goes in front of businessmen and says, I need the signature on that piece of paper. It's the same anointing that governs your schools. It's the same anointing that, is, that drives a house in. I'm just trying to get to see this this morning. Come on now. If we realize this, then the whole body that Paul talks about, that we're many members, yet each one of us has our own individuality and gifting inside this body. And if we realize that, then we realize that we're all valuable in this thing. Not just the preacher that's preaching and not just the singer that's singing. Because let me tell you what those contracts turn into. They turn into ties and they help to preach out a whole lot. Y'all don't want to come on. Come on. Listen to this. Verse 42. I'm almost done. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. He belittled him. For he was only a youth, a ruddy and good looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you would come to me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me and I will give, you, I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistines, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day you, you, the, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give your carcasses of, of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. I said that to say this, we are not limited by natural resources. Did you hear what I said? We are not limited. Now listen to this. When Jesus Christ walked out, on the, out of the tomb on the third day, He broke the limitation and limitless from our vocabulary. I said when he, wrote, when he walked out of the tomb on the third day, he broke limitless out of our dictionary.
We're not limited by a natural realm. There's a realm that supersedes this. And according to Hebrews 11 and 1, that everything that is in this realm right here came out of that realm. For the worlds were framed by the Word of God. Right? And according to John, for in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I used to preach sometimes when I was an evangelist or whatever, traveling to churches. Catherine would get mad as fire when I'd do this, but I'd rattle them up, and I'd hold this up, and I'd say, is this the Word of God? The church would say, yeah, it is. I said, the Word of God existed before you ever had this in your hand. That's what the Scripture says. Before there was ever paper and ink and pen, the Word of God was there in the beginning. So here's the deal. I want you to think right now. You can do anything, but you've got to start somewhere. Some of you, the biggest task is going to be getting off the couch to go do it. I'm a very driven person. I know that. So I can't, I, like, you know, I, I used to cut up sometimes. Lord, we're going to hate listening to this podcast. He's going to kill me. But Catherine's brother, I'd call him and say, hey, you going to go hunting in the morning? This about eight. This about seven thirty at night. I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I mean, people say, "Well, I'm gonna try to." If somebody, you, well, you're gonna go to church tomorrow. I'm gonna try to. They ain't coming. You can hang that up. All this stuff we do, religious stuff, and then people that's not there, we are gonna be with you in spirit. Well, your spirit don't tithe, and your spirit don't jump up and shout and put space in the chair. I better, I better quit. I'm gonna get. Run folk off like this. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm going to go or not. And then it manifests the next morning when I'm texting at 4.30 saying, hey, we got to leave in 10 minutes. Did you ever figure out if we going hunting? Huh? True story. He going to kill me for this. I got good editors, though. They'll pull this right out of there in case he was be checking behind me. I love him death. Um... <clears throat> But so, so we show up late. I'm taking John Minley. I'm going to let John Minley kill a deer. This is no joke. Showed up late because had to go wake her brother up, whatever, get them dressed. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we get in the woods. We get there and it's already breaking daylight. Been daylight about 10 minutes. John Minley, we get there right time we round the road, right where, his little, right where his stand is, about 70 yards from his stand. There's eight points. And I had all these visions flashing in my mind of how to help him get up out of the bed. <laughs> I better quit and get a hold of it right here. Listen, I'm fixing to be done. I'm fixing to show you a clip. This clip's going to drive home every point. Listen, I got, I got to finish with this right here. Though. How many knows this? Like if, there's, if there's several people, if there's several people like in a, in a crowd and a crime was to take place, Lord, Holy Ghost, if you're going to put me out on a limb, you at least help me. If there's a, let's say a woman's getting beat up and there's a crowd of people. It's amazing, but in that crowd of people, probably no one, 911, will not be notified of that, what's going on in that scene. Do you know what they call that? What it is, is, is each person there thinks the other person's going to do something. And what happens is nothing gets done at all. So what I'm telling you is, listen, you can't blame nobody else because you didn't accomplish your dream and vision. You can't blame mama. You can't blame daddy. I don't care what side the tracks you come up on, what color of skin you showed up in your earth suit. There's no excuse. Jesus done away with all the excuses. Come on. What it takes is drive, 
faith and vision. And you can be whatever you want to be. Would we agree with that in this room? Huh? Listen, when I started out in the ministry at 18 years of age, I did not understand why Mark said that Jesus died in the 16th chapter when Matthew said he died in the 27th chapter. I went to my mom. My whole house was backslid. My daddy, didn't, we didn't go to church. It's, I got saved on a Monday, February the 2nd of 1998, and miraculously on my job. God arrested me. And so I went to my mom and I said, how many, how many Jesuses are they in the Bible? Because Matthew said one died on the cross and Mark said. So I had to learn there's four different accounts of that, what happened with the Gospels. But listen to this. How did I learn? And I'm not saying that I'm not saying that I'm anything when it comes to Scripture. But I know more than John 11:35, Jesus wept. Come on, somebody. What, what, how, how, so if you want to preach and you want to get in depth, what you got to do, you got to read. You got to read every day. I was listening to this. T.D. said, I, he said, I'm writing two books. Uh, no, yeah, he said, I'm writing two books and I'm reading four books all at one time. What you do, listen, the rich. And the, and the poor is all given the same thing. It's called 24 hours in one day. The rich do something different when 24 hours than what you do. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I have never been around someone that was wealthy that was not cognizant of the time. Well, we don't, we just gonna lounge around today. Man, I'm just getting all up in the grill, ain't I? Listen to this. Asher says, he said, we gonna take, we, we just need to rest today. He said, this is what he told me. He said, Daddy, he said, I've been to church. He's, he's six years old. He said, I've been to church all my life, every day. <laughs> this is what he said. He said, just get Pastor Junior to preach in the morning. We need a break. <laughs> what he said. I'm scanning. My oldest son that. Grant, wave your hand. Where you at? Okay, you camouflaged it up in there. I see you hiding behind Trent. Just gonna take a break. This is what I told him. I said, you know what? I said, well, I, and I believe in taking breaks, but let me tell you this about laziness. Laziness, what it gets you? Proverbs says it gets you broke. Am I in the book? Oh, we better quit. I better quit preaching the Bible right here, huh? So John Bentley knows that. It's yesterday morning. It's Saturday morning, 6.15. I'm in there about 6.30. There comes John Ben around the corner. Daddy, what we got for breakfast in this house? Grant in there looking like a zombie. Asher, you ain't going to move. <laughs> Listen, whatever you want to do, you start right now. If, if your vision is to run a 10K, I'm telling you, get off the couch. You like me, you got to throw the Lay's potato chips in the trash can, bury them and say never again in Jesus' name. Throw the fried chicken out the back door, sweet tea, get it all. Come on, somebody. Don't, don't, don't compromise. And start moving. You, and I promise you, I, am I telling them a lie? Uh, listen, you know what I'm saying? When we was on the 40-day fast, Catherine said she wanted to get up and want me to go run with her. I got up from my house. We went two miles. When I got back, I did, thought, I did think we was going to call it a life flight, but I made it. Okay? Start somewhere. Now, I'm going to ask you this question before we leave because we're leaving. 11.54. I got to preach to 12 because that's what they pay me for, okay? Listen, and I'm showing you a five-minute clip. Ask right here. How many people make your bed up 
I asked Matt this other day, how many people do you make your bed up when you leave your house? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. You want to hold it high right here. If you don't make your bed up in the morning, raise your hand. Uh, if you don't make it up in the morning, raise your hand. Uh, this, this is going to be my order call. Y'all my order call this morning. Watch this video right here. Roll it for me. Roll it. Crank it up. Change the world. Start off by making your bed. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another, and another. And by the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made. That you made. And a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. To pass SEAL training, there are a series of long swims that must be completed. One is the night swim. Before the swim, the instructors joyfully brief the students on all the species of sharks that inhabit the waters off San Clemente. They assure you, however, that no student has ever been eaten by a shark, at least not that they can remember. But you are also taught that if a shark begins to circle your position, stand your ground. Do not swim away. Do not act afraid. And if the shark, hungry for a midnight snack, darts towards you, then summons up all your strength and punch him in the snout, and he will turn and swim away. There are a lot of sharks in the world. If you hope to complete the swim, you will have to deal with them. So if you want to change the world, don't back down from the sharks. Over a few weeks of difficult training, my SEAL class, which started with 150 men, was down to just 42. There were now six boat crews of seven men each. I was in the boat with the tall guys, but the best boat crew we had was made up of the little guys, the Munchkin crew, we called them. No one was over five foot five. The Munchkin boat crew had one American Indian, one African American, one Polish American, one Greek American, one Italian American, and two tough kids from the Midwest. They out paddled, outran, and outswam all the other boat crews. The big men in the other boat crews would always make good natured fun of the tiny little flippers the munchkins put on their tiny little feet prior to every swim. But somehow these little guys from every corner of the nation and the world always had the last laugh, swimming faster than everyone and reaching the shore long before the rest of us. SEAL training was a great equalizer. Nothing mattered but your will to succeed, not your color, not your ethnic background, not your education, not your social status. If you want to change the world, Measure a person by the size of their heart, not by the size of their flippers. The ninth week of training is referred to as Hell Week. It is six days of no sleep, constant physical and mental harassment, and one special day at the Mud Flats. The Mud Flats are an area between San Diego and Tijuana where the water runs off and creates the Tijuana Sloughs, a swampy patch of terrain where the mud will engulf you. It is on Wednesday of Hell Week but you paddle down in the mud flats and spend the next 15 hours trying to survive this freezing cold, the howling wind, 
and the incessant pressure to quit from the instructors. As the sun began to set that Wednesday evening, my training class, having committed some egregious infraction of the rules, was ordered into the mud. The mud consumed each man till there was nothing visible but our heads. The instructors told us we could leave the mud if only five men would quit. Only five men, just five men, and we could get out of the oppressive cold. Looking around the mud flat, it was apparent that some students were about to give up. It was still over eight hours till the sun came up. Eight more hours of bone-chilling cold. The chattering teeth and the shivering moans of the trainees were so loud, it was hard to hear anything. And then one voice began to echo through the night. One voice raised in song. The song was terribly out of tune, but sung with great enthusiasm. One voice became two, and two became three, and before long, everyone in the class was singing. The instructors threatened us with more time in the mud if we kept up the singing, but the singing persisted, and somehow the mud seemed a little warmer, and the wind a little tamer, and the dawn not so far away. If I have learned anything in my time traveling the world, it is the power of hope. The power of one person, a Washington, a Lincoln, King, Mandela, and even a young girl from Pakistan, Malala. One person can change the world by giving people hope. So if you want to change the world, start each day with a task completed. Find someone to help you through life. Respect everyone. Know that life is not fair and that you will fail often. But if you take some risks, step up when the times are the toughest, face down the bullies, lift up the downtrodden, and never, ever give up. If you do these things, the next generation and the generations that follow will live in a world far better than the one we have today. And what started here will indeed have changed the world for the better. That's powerful. Now stand up. I'm going to pray over you and we're going home. I live with this conviction, and I have since I was 18 years old, that one church can change the world. Listen, friend, I want a city changed. I'm not here to fill this building up. I'm here to bring transformation to this city. One act of kindness, you never know what it does when you buy that $5 meal for somebody. It's the little things. See, we get overwhelmed because we, because we don't have the big things. Because we're not on TV and we're not doing this. But listen, it's the little things. Just keep with the little things. Every mighty oak comes from the acorn. Start somewhere. God has placed you in His vineyard. He's looking for an investment of what He's put in your life. He put the Holy Spirit inside of you to be a witness. Come on, somebody. I grew up as a Pentecostal boy, and we thought that the Holy Spirit, so that we could roll around in the floor, and I'm for all, I'm for all that, and I don't apologize for none of it. But the Holy Spirit is in you to be a witness, to represent Him on the earth. When you see the person with no hope, you smile and you prophesy hope to them. When you see the person that is bound, you begin to release words of knowledge that begin to set them free. When you see the sick, you begin to lay your hands and the prayer of faith shall save them. 
Father, I thank you for this mighty army. This is the team that you've entrusted me with, what is standing before me. Father, I pray today, tomorrow, you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We would be willing to face Goliath. Listen, some of us has got to face it. The thing that has held you back, come on, we got to face it. Identify whatever you won't identify, whatever you, you misdiagnose, you will mistreat. It's time to call it what it is. If it's a sin in your life, identify it. Repent of it. Get rid of it. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Don't live with that addiction when Jesus paid the price that you could be free. Lord, give me three people that's got any ounce of faith and hope in this room. Come on, to believe. Listen, if you want to break poverty, break it then. Get it off your life. Father, I thank you. I thank you today for the goodness of God. I thank you today for the power of your word and the power of your spirit. God, I pray this morning in this, in this room that you would fill every person with hope. You would fill every person with courage. Every person will begin to look. And if they don't have a history book, they're going to start a history book today, God. Knowing that, Lord, whatever you've done in the past, you'll do again, Father. And Lord, I thank you for this great city, the city of Sparks and the city of Adale, Cook County. I thank you for Tifton. I thank you for life. Lord we thank you for this region and Lord we just thank you for the gospel of the kingdom bringing such impact to South Georgia God we thank you for Lord we thank you for our nation being engulfed in revival Lord we thank you for men and women of God standing up in this nation Lord for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords I pray the blessing of God on every household in this room this morning I bless every dad I bless every business in the mighty name of Jesus amen and amen Man, give God a great hand clap of praise. We'll see you here on Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc.